it was like an apocalypse. My heart was beating so fast. I'm like, what are we going to be ready for? Is this war? Is this assassination? What the hell is going on? It feels like this is a pivotal moment. It feels like it's going to be really, really, really difficult to come back from this. It wasn't long ago that we brought you the story of the economic implosion that had Lebanon on the brink of collapse. Now, there's no more doubt if Lebanon is on the brink. This massive explosion in Beirut has pushed it over the edge. The question now is, how will this terrible new crisis affect all the other ones? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. The port of Beirut is located in the heart of the Lebanese capital, near the downtown. What was a symbol of the city's regrowth after the civil war has shattered. As I'm recording this, more than 150 people have died, and 5,000 more have been wounded. The cause of the explosion was not immediately clear, but officials have linked it to explosive chemicals that were being stored at the port. Al Jazeera's reporters were across the city, and they sent us voice notes in the 24 hours after it happened. All of them have seen explosions in this city before. But the force of this one was so massive that even people in Cyprus, a country almost 250 kilometers away, said they felt tremors. It even registered on the Richter scale, the one for earthquakes. This blast was unheard of, even for people who've experienced Lebanon's civil war. Correspondent Zaina Khodar was reporting live for Al Jazeera after the explosion. I was kilometers away from Beirut port when the explosion went off. It, it shook the ground. I was thrown to the ground. You can still hear fire trucks are arriving at the scene to try to put out the flames. This is a country that has seen many, many explosions, political assassinations. So immediately in the back of everyone's mind is that here we go again. Here we go again. Al Jazeera's Lebanon producer, Sara Musa, had a similar reaction to Zaina's. I suddenly hear a massive blast. I remember my heart stopped. The first thing that occurred to me was like, we are in the middle of the war. So Sara headed into work. On my way to the office, I take a cab. The taxi driver's front window was totally broken. And I looked through his car and he was panicking. He was like, where do you want to go? I'm like, what happened to your car? He's like, I, I have to keep on working. It was because of the explosion. When Sada reached the bureau, which is fairly close to the port, she found broken glass everywhere, destroyed equipment. It was just one of countless buildings damaged or destroyed across the whole city. And the thing about this explosion is that it happened in the background of a coronavirus lockdown. This is the first day the country reopened after a five-day lockdown. So many, many people were in the streets. It was rush hour when it happened. People were going back home, leaving work. Even before all this, Lebanon's hospitals had been overwhelmed often operating on just a few hours of electricity a day. 
Now they're damaged themselves, some so badly that they can't even admit patients. Al Jazeera.com correspondent Timur Azhari went to one of the hospitals to see how they're managing. I went to a, a Beirut hospital, uh, the Hotel Dieu Hospital. As I got inside, I saw people in the lobby crying. I saw people sitting on the floors, milling around. I then turned towards the emergency section, which had sustained damage. There was a lot of shattered glass and uh, just blood, sort of bloodied people lying in the corridor. And then this family was informed that their relative, a man, had died. And they just completely just, I mean, you just saw them sort of the life punched out of them. This woman bent over, sort of keeled over in anguish. Uh, then she sort of opened her arms to this, like a maybe six-year-old kid standing a few meters away from her and said, uh, Yusuf, dad is in heaven and hugged him. And as Taymor reminded us, this is all happening in the time of coronavirus. You know, obviously when you're in a situation like that, you can't social distance, you can't keep people apart. It's the least of your worries, the least of your concerns. But I fear, I fear that this is going to have horrible consequences. Coronavirus cases are currently increasing at a rate double the world average. Hospitals were already overwhelmed, understaffed, underpaid. The entire country was just already collapsed. Not even collapsing, collapsed. Now, the story is the aftermath of that collapse. On Wednesday, Beirut city governor announced 300,000 people have lost their homes. As a reference, just 750,000 people live within about three kilometers of the port. Here's Sada again. They're now bound to either stay on the streets next to their houses or either uh, reside in churches and mosques. God knows where they're going to be. And there was a new piece of information. In this city that's seen assassinations, street battles, armed attacks, Israeli military strikes, officials were calling this explosion an accident. I started getting the news that it was not an Israeli strike, it was not an assassination, but it was rather a chemical explosion due to the warehouse where, unfortunately, chemicals were present. Tons of ammonium nitrate, according to officials, that were put there and were confiscated for years. That's a highly explosive material used for fertilizers. But it's also used to make bombs. You might have heard that an infamous attack in the United States, the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, used just two tons of ammonium nitrate. The amount at the port of Beirut was at least 2,700 tons. And it had been there for years, despite apparent repeated requests to have it removed. So the first thought was that, wow, the amount of negligence, the amount of ignorance, the amount of irresponsibility. Taymour spoke to Naila Sabah, a co-owner of Alia's books in a neighborhood that was heavily damaged. I am horrified that it could have been just sheer ignorance and negligence and just corruption versus a straight-up honest terrorist attack, which you could get. I understand it. But this, really, for six years, we could have been blown up at any time and nobody did anything about it. I can't cry anymore. This doesn't upset me. 
Taymour says the next step is an investigation committee that will submit a report to the judiciary next week. But, he says... Everybody is still at large. There have still been no arrests in this case. And there are really big questions about the way this investigation is being carried out. Now, next to that warehouse that exploded were Lebanon's lifelines. Lebanon imports 80% of what it consumes, and it's bordered by Israel and Syria. Not exactly sources of imports for Lebanon. So the destruction of a seaport is a massive blow. And nearby was also medicine for the country's hospitals and the national grain silo. This is at a time when Lebanon is at risk of repeating a historic famine from more than 100 years ago. Beirut was dying slowly. People had died that day, and the rest that are still alive were dying slowly. It takes a lot to deal a blow to a city like Beirut, which has withstood two wars in two generations, plus everything in between. But this deadly blow didn't come from war. It was, it seems, incompetence. People talk a lot about Lebanese resilience. So for the Lebanese to say they're not sure how much more they can bear, that's new. And that's the take. If you're in Lebanon, we're listening, and we want to hear from you. What do you want the world to know? Leave us a voice note or send us a message at AJTheTake on Twitter and Instagram. This episode was produced by Alexander Locke, with Dina Kisve, Abigail Oni-Wohaja, Priyanka Tilve, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer, and Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is the executive producer, and Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back 